Today, the Feast of the Epiphany is all about kings. And that got me thinking about one of my favorite kings, whom I want to remind you of. I bet you know that classic, great portrayal of medieval British history that is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. If you haven't seen it, it's a ridiculous, really ridiculous parody of the Arthurian legend. The hero, Arthur, makes his way across England looking for men who will join him as knights of his round table, and he makes his way not on horseback, but galloping like this, while behind him, Patsy, his squire, bangs some coconuts together to simulate the sound of horse hooves. The beautiful We Three Kings, I could almost hear the coconuts clapping together. <laughs> I'm not sure what kind of coconut a camel uh, sounds like, but I thought I heard it there in that beautiful sequence hymn. The movie uh, brought to mind the epiphany in this particular scene as Arthur kind of bounces his way into a meadow and stops to ask a peasant working in the field who it is that lives in the castle up ahead in the distance. And Arthur, wanting to win the favor of this, one of his subjects, shows up and says, I am Arthur, king of the Britons. But the peasant looks at him and says, king of the who? He says, the Britons. And the peasant says, well, who are the Britons? And Arthur says, well, we all are. We are Britons, and I am your king. But the peasant takes one look at the coconuts and, <laughs> and the display in front of him and refuses to give him the authority that Arthur so uh, desperately desires in that moment. And that brings me to the question that I want to ask for Epiphany. And it is this. What good is it being a king if you have to convince people to treat you like one? What good is it being a king if nobody sees it, if nobody knows it, if you have to go out of your way to convince people to treat you like the king you think you are? The wise men, the sages, weren't really kings, though they brought royal treasures. They were astrologers, soothsayers, wise men, probably from somewhere like Persia. They had seen some sort of celestial event like a supernova, an exploding star, or maybe a comet whizzing past, and they had interpreted the sign as an indication that a new king of the Jewish people had been born. So captivated were they by this sign and what it represented that they packed up their things and they left home for the long journey over to Judea where they too could see this newborn king. And I wonder when they left their home what sort of king they thought they would find. They arrive in Judea and go to the first place any of us would look for a king the palace. But when they get to the palace, they didn't find an infant ruler. They found Herod. Herod. King Herod, as Matthew calls him over and over and over again in this gospel lesson. And that's where Matthew wants us to begin with this strange showdown between two kings. 
Where is the king of the Jews who has been born? We've seen his star at its rising. We've come to pay him homage, the wise men said. And Herod looked around nervously. King, you say? You've come looking for a king? I'm sorry, gentlemen, but I think you may have misinterpreted your star charts. The Jews already have a king, and he's not a baby. He's me. I am the king, Herod must have said. There's tension in this moment, marvelous tension that we find ourselves wondering, how will it be resolved? Which king is it? that will present himself as the one worth following, the one worth worshiping. Herod was a king of sorts. He had been declared king of Judea by the Roman Senate. He had eliminated all of his rivals and bought the favor of the empire in exchange for which they made him its vassal king. He was loved by the empire, which is to say he was not loved by his own people. He tried to win their affection with lavish building projects, real, beautiful, monumental expressions of his might, fortresses throughout the land, even a great expansion of the temple, some of which still stands there in the western wall. But the people weren't impressed because they had to pay for it. And when Herod raised the taxes, he kind of lost their affection, plus, The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious groups of the day, had heard rumor that Herod's family had converted to Judaism a few generations earlier when it had been politically expedient, and that was the only excuse they needed to write him off as an imposter, as a pretender. Nobody liked Herod. Matthew uses the label king, but he uses it with a heavy dose of irony. Everyone knew whose king Herod was, and it wasn't the king of the Jewish people. Meanwhile, in Bethlehem, a baby nurses at his mother's breast. A baby in an ordinary house, in an ordinary part of a small suburb about six miles away from the capital. When the wise men heard from Herod that Jerusalem was the place The Messiah was to be born. They set out, not really knowing where to find this king. And when they got to Bethlehem, the residents weren't much help either. You say you're looking for a king in Bethlehem, they must have said to the wise men. Well, you're about a thousand years too late. The last time we had a king in these parts, David was a boy. But the wise men celebrated that the star went with them. And when it stopped over the house They were overwhelmed with joy. They went in and found Jesus lying in his mother's lap, and they threw themselves down on the ground and paid him homage. They worshipped him. What a strange sight that must have been, these visitors from the east lying down on the floor in front of this baby, this anonymous child, this figure whom no one other than his parents thought anything special of. What a funny story. When the wise men left their home in search of a king, I wonder what sort of king they expected to find. Surely not a king living in a working class neighborhood, the son of a carpenter and his young wife. Surely that's not whom they expected to find. There was 
sort of a king in that area. The palace was already occupied, but that's not where God's king was found. God showed these wise men where God's king dwelled in a place that would be hard for any of us to notice. Jesus had no power, no claim on power, yet God used that little baby to bring the light of salvation to his people and to all the peoples of the world. What a remarkable tale of how God works among us. What sort of king are we looking for? Where do we go? Where do we look when we're searching for someone to respect? Someone to whom we would give our allegiance? Someone to whom we would pledge our fealty? Where do we look? What sort of person, what sort of king are we looking for? Where do we expect the light of God to lead us? It's easy to get captivated by shiny images of wealth and impressive displays of power. And it's hard to be convinced that someone meek and mild, almost unknown, could be the one who deserves our faith, our trust. But in God's reign, those who have power lose it. In God's reign, those who are surrounded by images of wealth have their whole lives turned upside down. In God's reign, those who thought they had a claim on a place of prestige discover they don't have it at all. And those who thought that God and God's representatives had forsaken them find that they belong closest to God's heart. That's what God's reign looks like. That's what God's ruler reminds us of. God brings the light of salvation to those of us who can see the haughty powers of this world being shaken and replaced by the humble power of God, a light of true salvation, but it's a light that many of us aren't happy to see because it's a light that means that we have to let go of our authority of our control, of our privilege. Some react violently when that light comes, when the truth is revealed, like Herod, who ordered that all male children to and under, in and around Bethlehem would be slaughtered. So desperate was his attempt to maintain his grip on power. What sort of king are we looking for? Where do we expect God's light to shine? The true king is the one who brings the light of salvation to those people who have dwelt in darkness for longer than anyone can remember. God's king is the one who offers hope to the hopeless. Who is it among us who shares that good news? Who is it among us who doesn't need to convince us that he is worthy of our respect, but whose message, whose life invites our every sense of being, every value we have. Who is it? Where are we looking for our king? Where is God's light leading us? Where will we see the salvation of God breaking upon this world? In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
Amen.